0: back. We'll be right back. After nearly 500 days away, Toronto FC fans were allowed back into their house by the Lakeshore on Saturday. And even a somewhat disappointing draw couldn't dampen what was a celebratory day at BMO Field. This is Waking the Red Weekly presented by Footy Talks. My name is Mitchell Tierney and ahead on today's show, we'll talk more about that night at BMO Field, Josie Altidore's heroics and plenty more. It's also a big week for Canada soccer as you can tell based on uh, Mikey and I's attire here. Men's national team looking to win their first knockout game of the Gold Cup since 2007. And because we know you're tired of just listening to the three of us ramble, we have a great guest on this week, Dr. Claire Rustad, former Canadian Women's National Team player and CBC Sports analyst, will get us set for the Tokyo 2020 Games. But first, as always, joined by Jeffrey P. Nesker and Michael Singh. How are you guys doing?
1: Jay? Yeah. How are you doing? I mean, after returning to BMO Field, things are starting to finally feel a little bit normal here. We have the Canadian Women's National Team. Who are you know going to be starting their Olympic run, which have been waiting so long for? And then we also have the men's national team who are in the Gold Cup. We have two TFC games this week. How else can we put that boys? Just just feeling ecstatic right now. And uh, I'll still
2: buzzing, man. It might have been the Smirnoff ice, but uh, it might have also been Bemo Field. So
1: we'll see. There you we'll go. See. And I'll I'll mention yeah. off the bat I may have to uh dip out here early because TFC is having a, a press conference soon. So hopefully I'll be back to bring you guys some some juicy updates. Um obviously some devastating news today with with Iowa Canola, but we'll get into that probably a little bit further later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you guys were there, obviously. I, I unfortunately couldn't make it, but what was that like just being back? I know, Mike, you, you got to be back a little bit over the over the pandemic when they were playing those home games, but obviously
1: nothing's like BMO Field with fans. No, and you know what I forgot and, you know, criticize me as much as you want for this, but you know when you go to BMO and you rumble your feet on those the metal rafters I forgot what that sound was like. And when it first happened, I'm like, oh, my God, we are back. It was buzzing. It was electric. I know there was only 7,000 and the stadium looked empty. But there are times where it honestly felt like a a full house, especially with the return of Josie Altador. right?
2: I forgot how to do it. My feet weren't (laughs) working. I Honestly, I lost my coordination and I was trying to figure out new and different ways. Also, I I had a scarf tied around my leg well yeah yeah and I had a scarf tied around one leg because I foolishly wore a winter scarf to that cesspool of humidity and it wasn't <laughs> happening so I ended up being Steven Tyler for a bit I mean, pretty <laughs> fantastic
0: yeah it's funny a little a little story here the first Toronto FC game I ever went to must have been I guess probably their second year 2008 they're playing the New York Red Bulls and My dad and I kind of messed up the the traffic times, and so we got there at around halftime. And we go into the stadium, and you can just hear this was this was also like shortly after they had kind of those issues with like all the screws falling out of female field. But you just go in and you hear the feet above you, and I remember my dad looking up like, "What did I just bring my kid?" We very quickly fell in love with that atmosphere and that you know that stuff like that's a big part of it.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It was uh, it was pretty surreal. I mean, I think that's the best way to describe it. It was all vibes, um, you know, uh, I I finally figured out the proper way to greet people. I was going for handshakes, and then eventually it became elbow <laughs> bumps. Uh, you know, that also might have been the Smirnoff ice. I that stuff's pretty. Pretty dangerous. It's pretty deadly. Uh, Are getting
1: sponsored by Smirnoff Ice by the end of the show? I hope not. I Let's hope go. not.
2: <laughs> I hope not because that would be terrible. Because I don't like Smirnoff Ice. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. There goes that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we almost had it. We almost had it. <laughs> Ruining sponsorships wherever I go, boys. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was pretty terrific. I, I know Tej uh, wrote that's a piece that's say. been retweeted by the by the club proper. About his experiences with his uh, with his eight year old son going back to the going back to the ground. It's a really wonderful read. Um, I think uh, it it encapsulates what we were all feeling. You know, I think we all had um, an idea of what it would be like, and it 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 both exceeded and was entirely different than what I expected.
1: Um, yeah, as to, as yeah. Tej said, therapeutic. Whatever word you want to use there, it was just a feeling of like okay, this pandemic is really starting to get behind us and we're really starting yeah. to get ahead of this thing. And if you haven't read the piece yet, I highly recommend doing that. It's up on our site. The piece was so good that Toronto FC tweeted it out, which you know just, just lets you know just the type of writer that Tej is and his ability to you know relate to other people. I think you can really feel that in that piece. And it's definitely yeah. just such a relatable story. So highly recommend you go check out that piece. Um but yeah like i said it's it's really feeling like we're we're getting back here, gentlemen.
2: <laughs> I like that Ben's trolling me now he was on uh he was on scooter show on twitch yesterday and i I spent most of his hour absolutely uh, uh chirping at him so i I suppose turn about his fair play uh just for for reference he wrote Smirnoff ice has left the chat which, uh... <laughs> amazing
3: <laughs> no
2: ben i'm not i'm not <laughs> Anyway, uh, I don't know if you saw the private message, but Claire is here in the waiting room, and I'm wondering if uh, if we should bring her on.
0: Sure, yeah let's uh, let's get to Claire Rustad.
4: Hi guys.
0: Hello. Hello. I'm joined now by Doctor hey, Claire, Claire like
4: Rustad. Hotel room, and yeah. I swear there's like no yeah. angle. I can't see my unmade bed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's all right. That's all right. That's what we have <laughs> with the green
1: screen behind me it just covers everything yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs>
4: That's where I like. How old are you guys?
1: Guess. No, i take your guys. guesses. <laughs>
4: no, that's than me. So that's where you guys know how to do things and I
1: don't. <laughs> uh, that's really okay. funny. Yeah.
4: Anyway,
3: yeah guys.
0: Joined, joined by Dr. Claire Rustad, 45 caps for the Canadian women's national team, Olympian with Canada at the 2008 Beijing Games. Now part of CBC's broadcast team for the 2020 Tokyo Games. Claire, an absolute pleasure to have you on. Such
3: okay. a pleasure. Yeah.
0: My goodness. Well, you know, after a year of waiting, um, Canada's finally set to open their Olympics tomorrow against Japan. Um, what can we expect from from this first game? And kind of a, a tough opening fixture, obviously, against the, the hosts.
4: Yeah, uh, and yet a host without a host crowd is going to be interesting. Uh, I'm sure they didn't have to travel, but I mean, the benefit of being the host team is having a host crowd usually. So yeah. I, I really, I, I don't even know what that feels like. I hated playing in front of nobody. My my the favorite game, the, like the best memories I have of playing, were like under the lights at night with a big crowd, that, and I didn't care who, where we were playing. Like I liked doing that in Mexico where they hated us, like it was the best. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it's 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 going to be interesting. Japan's still in a bit of a rebuilding phase, um, and I'm, I'm not sure they've really found their feet yet kind of a disappointing uh, set of games in their preparation leading up this. They haven't really played anybody um, anywhere near the top 10. Last time they did was early last year. And uh, and still, still, I don't think, kind of have their feet under them, particularly in the attack. I mean, we always kind of classically think of Japan as being really well organized. And, I mean, they will definitely be very technical on the ball, but they haven't been as well organized as we're used to seeing them, um, particularly in the – Yeah, She Believes Cup, which is my my least favorite tournament name ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
2: yes. You know (laughs) that I almost got into trouble because it is a charitable foundation and I was, like, raging on it. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, one of my least favorite moments of this show. It does
4: a disservice to the professionalism of the sport. So, anyway, we'll leave that aside. But, uh, yeah, so I, I expect them to be very technical on the ball, very comfortable on the ball. Um, but there are holes to exploit and they certainly don't have an, they don't have a Hamari Sawa anymore. Um, they don't have an Miami anymore. And, and I, I while well, I've seen glimmers from the Japanese in terms of, um, some of their younger players it's just not quite there yet. I think the Canadians have an opportunity to at least take some points off of the, off the home team. And, and certainly, I mean, if you think about this, the absolute strength for the Canadians is their back line, right? Their back four is, is fantastic. Um, I think going over to Europe for Shalina Zdorsky and playing for Tottenham has been an excellent move. She's, she's technically come a really long way. Um, obviously Buchanan and Lawrence have done really well over in Europe and, and I, I'd actually like to see Lawrence push in the midfield and maybe put Jade Revere at full back. Let's go.
2: Nice. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Hey,
4: well, controversial opinion alert. I'd actually like to see them put Vanessa Gil in the center back and put Buchanan up front. Um, not that I think that's going to happen, but
1: nope. yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it, it too. It the box here. Yeah. Uh,
4: yeah. So, so that's obviously their strength. Um, certainly much more comfortable on the ball than a Canadian back four has I think ever been, uh, which is great. It means they can build out of there. I'd like to see them be a little bit less prescribed building out of the back um, and a little bit more creative in the midfield, which is, I think, I think maybe one of their weaknesses is they, is, um, is it, they're not as creative in the center of the park as I'd like them to be. More comfortable on the ball. You know, I've seen, I've seen some, again, some kind of glimmers of hope there, but but really, just not as creative as they need to be if they want to be able to compete with any of really the top, you know, five or sixteen. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't think it's news to anyone that they have trouble scoring.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that
4: is a new is my <laughs> opinion. It's it's a thing that happens, um, and. And I so that that's going to be the that's going to be where they, they may struggle, especially against uh, a well-organized team. If the Japanese have have uh, have managed to kind of get a handle on that since 2020, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think the Canadians have to vary their attack. They can't just drive to the end line and cross the ball into the box every single time. Oh yeah, yes, yes have, to sir. have to be able to shoot from outside the box. There are French fullbacks who are terrifying outside of the box. So Canadians have to be able to shoot from and and shoot quickly, right? I mean, Fleming scored a beautiful goal against Wales, but she had like 20 seconds to set it up. I'm exaggerating. Mm-hmm. She had a lot of time to set that up. And yeah, they will yeah. not have that, um, particularly in the knockout phases of this tournament. So you have to be able to just shoot quickly.
1: So. so Claire, on that that same note, Aside not, from Christine that's all Sinclair. I
3: have, that's all
1: I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> all right, a test for you here. Aside from Christine Sinclair, yeah, where is Canada going to get those goals from?
4: So, um, yeah, good question.
1: Um, you stole Mitch's question.
4: Uh-huh. <laughs> Was
1: that your question? Sorry, <laughs> I didn't even know. To... <laughs> um,
4: so, uh, I'm not sure is my honest answer. Um, I think that The only other player, one of the only other players really in that, in that group of strikers that has real striker instincts is Evelyn Vienne. And, and when I say striker instincts, I mean, I mean, she's pretty new to the international game and still might not quite be at that pace yet, but she gets herself in positions where she gets on the end of, you know, 50% 50% crosses, you know, kind of a last ditch cross. And somehow she's on the end of it and she finishes and she's done that in her collegiate career and her professional career. And she started to do it for Canada against decent teams too. So, um, I, I, expect we'll probably see her as a substitute. I hope we see her early sooner rather than later as a substitute. I think if she scores, if she gets, gets going and gets scoring, um, I think they'll do okay. Um, Adriana Leone has proven herself to kind of come on and at least disrupt things when she comes on as a substitute. I'm I'm not sure of her fitness. She had an injury leading up to this tournament, um, so we'll we'll see how that goes. Um and and I, yeah. So it, it's really it's it is hard to say. And I I I hope that some of the midfielders start to have a go from outside of the box. I mean, even just to try to. Um, catch a goalkeeper off guard and, uh, um, and and really try to switch things up a little bit. I, I mean, Michelle Prince and Deanne Rose do a great job. I actually like Michelle Prince coming off the bench. I think she um,
3: mm. she
4: comes on and makes a difference when she comes off of the bench. Um, and and we we may see stuff from them, but really, like I'd like to see Evelyn Vienne as soon as possible. Um, and and hopefully hopefully they can find Christine's beat in the right way I mean, she's not as fast as she used to be can't constantly just play balls through and hope for her to run on to them you have to be you have to be wise in how you uh deliver service to her so um yeah we'll we'll see what happens
2: i'm gonna go macro for a bit because obviously as a as a cambridge educated epidemiologist and
4: are you reading my wikipedia page right now <laughs> no no i found this on something
2: different uh, and of course, uh, having helped organize the uh, the Women's World Cup in Canada, I, I wonder what your perspective is on how the players are feeling uh, in this in this wacky sort of COVID uh, situation at the Olympics. You know, uh, what what your insights would be about about how weird it must be for them right now.
4: Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, weird not playing in front of a crowd. Mm. Um, that 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 part's a little bit bizarre um uh i mean i've been i work in a i'm a family doc a rural family doc so i work in a clinic and i um i work in the emerge so i'm i'm pretty used to the weirdness of covid protocols right now right right and and cbc honestly is all over it too so i that that part can take a little bit of getting used to if you if you are if you aren't used to um used to the red, like kind of the the structured regime of that. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: Uh, But honestly, every team in this tournament's in the same boat, right?
3: Right, right.
4: Just something that happened here and it wasn't just something that happened in Europe, it happened everywhere. So um, we can't, I mean, the Canadians certainly can't use that as as an excuse in any way, because I mean, everybody had a huge hiatus um, with no international play. They're all kind of on an even playing field. Um, I do think that, Canadians sought out at least some better opponents than the Japanese did okay. leading up to this, this uh, tournament. And I'm not sure if that was – I honestly don't know why the Japanese didn't find anybody better to play against. But, um, yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, everybody's going to be in the same boat. And it's going to have to be a lot about your mental preparation and how you deal with um, putting some of that regimented stuff aside and still trying to focus on your own game and mm-hmm. making the most of the times that you do have at training um and then also making the most of the boredom of sitting in you know a hotel room in between games and how do you yeah that i did not do well with that
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I, I i was my favorite part of of uh playing with the team but yeah, so how do you adapt that? What do you do to prepare yourself for the next day? Not just the next game, but what do you do to prepare yourself for the next day and the next training session um, in between? Mm-hmm. Really trying to make that that boring time work for you.
2: Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. That's an important point. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Well, it looks like Mike took off for the Toronto Sea press conference, so it's yes, good did. He can't steal He's any more of my questions.
3: But-, <laughs> but-, <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, I I was wondering about Bev Priestman. Obviously, this is her first major major tournament as a you know senior level head coach, at least. Um, what have been your impressions of what the do- the job she's done so far? Obviously, difficult coming in right in the start of a pandemic and with you know a major tournament on the horizon. And how big of a tournament is this for her in terms of you know her coaching career in general?
4: Yeah, I, I don't actually know Bev Priest, uh, Priestman personally. Um, I was a little bit. I was a little worried that we were we were we were just kind of rotating within the Herdman universe when they hired her, which which mm-hmm. isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it um, it almost seemed like the team maybe was ready for a change. Hmm. Um, and 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 they hired her. I think she's done a good job. I think the, the the defining moment ended up being okay. Who's back when there was just an eighteen player roster? Who's she actually going to choose for this eighteen player roster? And I know a lot of us were kind of holding our breath, like is she going to have the guts to make some very hard decisions or some unpopular decisions? And the decision to initially take Evelyn Vienne over Jordan Heidem, I think was the right decision. Mm -hmm. Um, I've not yet seen Heidem perform against good teams. I think she scores against some weaker teams. She's young. She has a lot of growing to do. And I just, I, I, I thought that showed a lot of guts from Priestman to actually be able to make that move because Heidem has been highly marketed for this team. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet making those decisions based on form, current form and performance is really important going into Mm -hmm. a a tournament like this. That's short, um, actually kind of weirdly easy to meddle in, but also easy to not. Mm. Um, And, and uh, you need to have people who are on form and ready to perform right away. And and I think she made the right decision initially. I mean, I, I think it's great that they allowed twenty-two players, eighteen-player roster. Ridiculous um, in a tournament that could last six games. And, and and particularly coming off of a year where nobody played, and there, it, 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 you know, fitness may be an issue for everybody, and injuries may be an issue for everybody. Going to twenty-two players makes sense. So mm-hmm. I like, think it's great that you know Sophie Schmidt. Um, uh made it into the final roster and then Jordan Heideman made it in the final roster. But I think those decisions to to put those players aside initially um showed some bravery from Priestman. That's encouraging. Um and I'm hoping that her her lineup decisions sort of follow along with that.
2: Terrific. Uh let's let's let Ben get his question in uh uh he asked should Heidema prioritize playing time over bench minutes at a massive club like PSG? Sort of a, Offshoot.
4: Like the eternal question, right? You mm-hmm. want to be in the most professional environment that you can and play and play and train with the best players you can every day, but sometimes that means that you're sacrificing playing minutes. Um, and I've gone back and forth about this in my head, and I'm still not sure I know what the right thing is to do.
2: Yeah. It's I mean, tough. I think
4: of players like like I don't know. You guys still didn't answer the age question, so you're probably old enough to remember. Do you remember Sean Wright Phillips? Of course. Yeah,
2: okay. And and MLS superstar Bradley Wright Phillips.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean playing really well, really well at a um, it Man City initially, wasn't he?
3: Mm-hmm. I think it Playing really been, well, yeah.
4: starting playing, made the move to Chelsea, stopped playing. and And sort of dropped off the radar a little bit, and it's 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 really hard to say because I do think those not just not just game minutes but big game minutes, right? I mean, even Jesse Fleming's made a, a, a kind of gutsy move to go to Chelsea and getting some minutes in Champions League play, but not necessarily playing the Champions League final. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really hard to say. I think I think players should. It, it really ends up being an individual choice, but I do think that finding a team where you are going to get some big game minutes is important, and maybe PSG is in the right spot for. Her. I don't know. Hmm. Um, I think that we can't discount how important the, the training environment is, though, right? So being in a professional training environment like that is really important. Playing against players who are world-class is really important, too. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't really have for that, actually. <laughs> I don't know. Uh,
2: I mean, let, let's, let's get Diana Matheson to get the NWSL team in Toronto, and then Jordan Heidemann <laughs> can be the superstar for that team.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's that's the uh, the overarching theme here hey, is that, you know, 73% of the Japanese team plays in Japan
3: mm-hmm. um,
4: and zero of the Canadian players play in Canada. And, uh, and I think it's really important because it's not just about, it's not just about the professional league, right? That's not, that's that, that's not even necessarily the real goal. The goal of having a professional league is, is for that to kind of trickle down and, and and uh, improve the level of player development at young ages, right? I mean, I'm lo- not thinking about necessarily professional players playing for the team. I'm thinking about properly training, you know, eight year olds and getting yep. them in a training environment where they have coaches who are tr- who are licensed and mm. <laughs> um, who know what they're doing. And I, I mean, it's nothing to discount the volunteer hours that a lot of parents put in, but I think it's important to make sure that um, coaches who are who are coaching kids know what they're doing technically and tactically
2: I agree that's the point
4: I mean that's I think it's great to have all your players play in you know in their home country but the real goal of that is is to trickle down into player development at younger ages
2: yeah, we're seeing we're seeing that on the men's side with the CPL. I mean, three years into its existence, and I, I, I absolutely think it's long past its uh, over overdue date for for the women's game, especially with uh, an NWSL franchise in one of the big markets in Canada: Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. Take your pick. Possibly all three. It would be nice to have all three at the okay. same time. Um, and uh, and and let's get going on that. Um, speaking of Diana Matheson, um, that panel that you guys were on the, the the last women's world cup panel was so fantastic i mean it was it was just wonderful uh do you, you know any any fun stories from that from that experience because it really was just a wonderful way to watch that tournament i mean you guys playing off each other all the banter it was really great and, uh, yeah,
4: I mean, I swear I'm I'm more fun than I seemed. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I mean, you were my favorite because you were you you know you were you were you weren't afraid to deliver the bad news, right? You weren't yeah, afraid yeah. to correct flights of fancy. And and as someone that goes on a million tangents, I appreciate when you know a moderator can step in and put me in my place, like. Uh, so. <laughs>
4: Yeah, no, I, I I was thinking about this the other night, and it's I mean it was a funny story that was caught on camera, really, because um, uh, it was the one day that like Kalen wore her hair up and these massive earrings, like they were the size of a calculator, and that's <laughs> the- oh they're enormous, and and she and she she's not like the she's not the most like sit still broadcaster either, right? Which is mm-hmm. which is great, it's her style. So she so she was she was kind of gesturing around and then she turned to say something to Diana and this massive calculator earring just went clunk onto the glass. Desk.
3: <laughs> and we all just sort
4: of, uh, everyone just sort of was like, what do we do? And Kaylin just like kept on going. Nice <laughs> no problem. Did great with it. Yeah. It was one of those moments that I'm like, yeah, I bet this has never happened in this room before.
2: Most
4: of the dudes who do this.
2: Yeah. Did she, did she break the glass table or, or, not, no not a problem no, no. amazing amazing I mean, that reminds me heavy.
4: just wasn't secured very well
2: wasn't there, i saw a viral clip of i think it was a reporter in front of the euro cup and a breeze took the that like, just took the cup off its off its table and everybody was trying <laughs> to pick it up after and it was on live television so you know that kind <laughs> of stuff things, right yeah yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly
0: exactly live tv yeah I don't think I've ever seen James Duffy with big hoop earrings, so certainly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, definitely not. Let's let's get you out on this then, Claire. Um, the mantra, and you've talked about this a little bit, or uh, I guess uh, alluded to this a little bit, the mantra for Canada going into this tournament is changing the color of the medal mm-hmm. um, after winning the back-to-back bronzes at the past two. In order for Canada to do that, what needs to go right?
4: Yeah, they need to not come third in their group. That's the first yep. thing. I think that's. <laughs> I think that's like we're all in agreement about that, right?
3: Coming basically yeah, yeah.
4: for those viewers who have not had a close look at the bracket. Uh, if you come third in your group, first of all, you need to want to be one of the two best third place teams, which I don't think would be difficult. I think this is if. This would be the group if you're going to be a third place team that you'd probably get through. Um, the challenge with being the third place team, though, it would be that you would play the first place team out of the American group, which is likely going to be the Americans.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and I don't think anybody here is on any under any sort of delusion that the Americans aren't going to just walk through this tournament because they probably will. Yeah. Um, there's something fascinating about the Americans that it's just they're. I mean, people call it arrogance, but it's actually they're just very appropriately confident in their abilities and and they have this attitude and I think it translates to probably just like a a healthy but vicious level of competition and training because there are people waiting in the wings to take your place for sure oh yeah um and they they approach everything like that and, and even when they're down a goal or two, I, you can never count, you can never count. I haven't seen them down two goals in a long time, but um, you can never count them out. And, and so I, I, I think avoiding them is, is, you know, step one. Um, and like I said, it's an interesting tournament. I mean the Canadians were third place in their group in 2012 and won a bronze medal. Right. So it, it, mm-hmm. it it's a tournament where a couple of well-placed wins and you're in a medal game. Mm-hmm. And conversely a couple of well-placed losses and you're not so yeah 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 so uh, um it it, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how it shapes out because i mean first of all the americans when they play sweden fun things can happen so you know i i think they'll come first place in their group but you know we we remember 2016 right oh yeah Uh, yeah, and and uh, and then and yet the Canadians are playing against some really evenly matched teams, right? I think they're actually fairly evenly matched with Great Britain and with Japan. And it's really hard to see how they'll come out of that. If they come second in their group, they get flipped to the other side of the draw, which, and I am never an advocate for, like, trying to come second. I think you should approach every game as if you're going to win. Yep. And you should try to win every game. And you should aim to come first in this group. Um, but, but coming second does have them avoid the Americans in the, um, in likely a semi-final matchup if they can make it through. I think they match up well against the Dutch we will probably end up on that side of the draw as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so, so, but like I said, I mean, it's, it, it really ends up being a little bit of a toss up. I think I, I, like I said before, I think it's good. They increased the roster size to 22 because um injuries really can ruin a tournament here um and you know having three goalkeepers is actually really important when that gets injured then you're, you know you at least have some depth yeah um, yeah and i think it really only benefits teams like the canadians to increase really the rota of attacking players honestly um so uh I, I, I've, you know, I, I, I favor their chances to repeat a bronze. I think getting to the gold medal match is, uh, is a, is a difficult feat, you know, not impossible, but, um, but I, I think it's a bit of a difficult road to get there. Um, and, and yet tables could turn in a, an unfavorable quarterfinal matchup, could, especially if they're not scoring, right. Especially if they're not scoring an unfavorable quarterfinal matchup could be difficult for them. So, um, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. But uh, I'm also at times realistic. <laughs> I think you've noticed that <laughs> about me. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I I really hope they do well. I really hope they find their scoring feet. Um and and I really hope that they that they push the teams that they come up against, that they really do push them.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. good.
0: Well, thank you so much for, for joining the show, Claire. It's been great.
4: No problem, guys. I didn't even—you can't even see. I'm wearing an Arnold Schwarzenegger T-shirt.
3: <laughs> I, was, I don't know who I was messaging
4: with, but I was all like, "How Mitchell. dressed up to be?"
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I've got my summer weight scarf on, so you know. Oh, you're all... some,
4: yes. I heard about your winter weight scarf causing you trouble.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to wear it around oh, my and, leg. BMO was and, pretty uh, humid, so. Yeah,
4: yeah. I uh, I came or I logged in early enough to hear you guys talking about about what it was like to be back in the stadium as a fan.
2: Mm
3: -hmm.
4: and and the the hammering on like stomping on the on the stands Mm -hmm. and i mean i didn't go to a a ton of tfc games but i went to enough and i went well i went to enough games period as a fan to to remember what that feels like i mean it's a very visceral feeling right and i it got me feeling even a little bit nostalgic and i haven't lived in toronto for like three years Mm -hmm. but um i'm really glad you guys are able to get back there and experience yeah everything.
2: it was it was pretty fantastic uh you yeah. know uh we can argue about the timing in in this craziness you know totally yeah. blue in the face but uh but it was a privilege and uh you know i'm looking forward to wednesday and, mm-hmm. and it will be almost double the fans. so let's let's see what that entails right you know yeah, cautiously certainly, optimistic
4: certainly as a player that enthusiasm is really appreciated and felt mm-hmm. and um I mean the games are nothing without the fans, right? It's just it's just not as fun.
3: Like yeah. I
4: said. Like even opposing fans are fun. So yeah. uh <laughs> <yeah>. but, <laughs> well again, I'm using TFC games. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah.
4: So so I'm glad you guys are getting back there and I'm glad that that everybody is excited to do it too. I know it is a still a very weird time. Please, everybody,
2: wash your hands and wear a mask. Good, good advice. Absolutely good advice. And looking forward to to seeing you on the uh, on the CBC as the tournament uh, gets into full swing.
4: Cool, guys, thanks for watching.
2: Cool. No yeah. worries. Yeah. Cheers.
4: All right.
3: Bye. <laughs> Oops. Well, that was
0: awesome. I agree. Yeah. Uh, get some wow. Olympic insight and, and <laughs> all kinds of. Yeah, uh, great, great wow. stories from from broadcasting as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess let's let's pick up a little bit on maybe the iconic moment of that that TFC game, and that was Josie Altidore scoring a header. I mean, the, the second he got subbed on, uh, it was it was pretty special. But you almost knew something was coming, considering um, you know just just the the state of the game and and how everything had been going, and and Josie's. Uh, uncanny ability to deliver in the big moments like so i can't, so I can't remember maybe the last iconic moment like that was josie scoring against montreal in the canadian championship the it was quiet now thing like
2: it, it he, absolutely was but, but mean, this the, one the was man,
0: probably the most yeah. special that there's been in, in a long time in terms of just like iconic tronopsy moments
2: well i mean you know the second the second that he was he was on the sidelines the the vmo uh the temperature in that place went up by about a hundred million degrees and then once once the once the substitution board came up it was uh it was pretty special and you know uh i got to sit in uh, the red patch boys section in the south end so 112 and that's Mm -hmm. exactly where he ran to while he kissed the badge and did his jump celebration i jumped so hard my apple watch fell off my arm and i had to go chase it which is pretty (laughs) funny because uh the last time I was in the south end, and I jumped really hard. My phone fell out of my jacket, and I ended up stomping on my phone and cracking the oh, screen. No. So I'm not, I'm not very good at cheering. <laughs> but wow, what a vibe! Like what 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 an unbelievable vibe that was! It was uh, it was pretty special. I'll remember it forever. Um, some great great photographs came out of that, like the like the mm-hmm. close up of Josmer mid jump, and then there's one right when Paws just jumped on his back, and and the team's about to to rush him. Just a beautiful image. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you said it right here. Moment of the season so far. How can it not be? Really? Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. And obviously, you wish they could have gotten the three points in that game. That's the one thing. Uh, the yeah. The one thing, obviously, that's the, the, you know, is is still disappointing was that was a really strong Toronto FC performance and they still weren't able to to pick up all three points. And We all know how much they need three points right now as much as they can considering mm-hmm. The slow start to the season, but I will say it did still feel like positive momentum a little bit. Um, maybe that's just without the rose glasses from being at BMO, no, but no, without question. in general, everything just felt like it was still they're still moving in the right direction, unquestionably.
2: Well, I mean, here's my question Do you think that was a penalty on Bones?
0: Yes, I, I, I okay. do think so.
2: Yeah, so do I. yeah, um, so we put that argument to bed, um, mm-hmm. you know. TFC taking their foot off the gas uh, either because they've been deflated by getting scored on early or they've been emboldened by scoring um, is something that they've got to work on. Uh, You know, I, I, I mean, George and I, we were my, my friend George, who was at the game with me, we were watching that, that Oro Nani battle the whole game long, right? Like they were, they were going after each other. So, I, I I mean they were there were some aggressive sort of tomfoolery shenanigans going on with the Orlando team. And they were goal dangerous that whole game. So to to expect that they weren't going to at least threaten an equalizer, mm-hmm. I think may have been a mistake on 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 behalf of TFC. But I don't think it's on the coach. I think his subs were pretty were pretty great. I mean, obviously the Josie sub. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the the Jefferson for for Mullins and, and it pains me to say this because you know how much <laughs> I love I love Patrick Mullins uh uh didn't I say oral versus nanny I, I thought I did uh um yeah it pains me to say it but that might have been in air um mm-hmm. it was not the 90th so I mean we're not really talking about a whole lot of minutes that that you have missed out on but uh I don't know what what was your perspective on 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 all of that
0: I mean, yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, it's disappointing to to again see them concede shortly after scoring. Like that's, it was a hallmark of the Greg Vanny best teams, right? Where if they scored first, they were winning. There, there was no question about it. Like I think they almost had a perfect record when they scored the first goal. So mm-hmm. that that in itself, you know, good good teams get the lead and keep it. So that that's the main disappointing thing, but one thing that people have been bringing up a, a, a lot in the comments <laughs> since literally the start of the show is, is Jefferson yep, Soteldo and his performance and mm-hmm. um, whether or not you, oh, you can of, say it. And, and
2: also whether or not he's better than Armando, than Armando Cooper. Cooper yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, you know, obviously his first home performance, what were your thoughts on, on his play? Because it, it, it was, he's definitely quite a showman and, and, you know, he he's, he's, yeah, it was just it was just a fun fun match from him overall.
2: One of my one of my favorite moves. I mean, I remember when we were all watching at the rec room, uh, MLS Cup twenty nineteen. Yeah. I have never heard you scream louder than when Paws did that did that midfield dance where he just undressed all of Seattle. Um, yeah. That that little bit of step over magic for Yef coming up the middle was was mm-hmm. pretty fantastic. I mean, can he finish? Uh, I had this I had this conversation. Being a DP in Major League Soccer, even now in 2021, has certain expectations. And I think if you're an attacking DP, that expectation is goals. It's not assists. It's not dribbles. It's goals. It's it's unfair, but that's our league. So is he an upgrade on Piatti? That's question number one. Uh, And question number two, he's a terrific player. Let's not. I mean, even now, uh, and and he hasn't even really adapted into the squad or maybe found his feet in MLS yet. He's a terrific player. I mean, this is an exciting player to watch. That cannot be argued. But is he a DP in the strictest logical sense of the word? Is he a DP? That's the question I keep coming back to.
0: I think he's unquestionably better than Piatti. I think he. You know, Piatti was a solid, solid player, but I think Soteldo on. Undoubtedly, has much more skill and, and is much more dangerous player overall. And obviously, it's it's very small sample size. So I think he's only going to get better. But I do agree that uh, and and obviously Mike's not here to defend him, which is the best time to take shots. I in. know
2: it's amazing. Uh, Let's go. <laughs> um, <laughs> um,
0: I, I, Mike tweeted out that Soteldo's too good for this league, which might end up being true. But like you said, I think. But in a know, weirdo
2: way, too. Yeah. Like go, we need to ahead. see,
0: we need to see the the finished product first before we can start saying things like that. And I, I don't think there's any questions coming considering his performances and considering what we've seen from him. But we have to see it first before we can start. Um, before we can start really putting this guy up on a major pedestal. And and mm. again, that's that's a league thing, but that's mostly a Toronto FC thing. We've had some of the best designated players in Major League Soccer history, so we have an unbelievably high standard. And you know. One of the other ones went out there and scored in like his limited minutes, so yeah, obviously true, it's, true. it's a finished product thing, and and yeah, I mean, I I absolutely love what Soteldo did during that game, but we're gonna have to see more goals and assists from him before we're
2: you know. I mean, gonna... it's it's a wonderful quote. He may be too good for this league because it 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 absolutely encapsulate what I'm what I'm saying. Like other leagues can afford to blow that kind of money on a technician who's mm-hmm. who's who's got his skill set in major league soccer you know the non-goal thing for a designated player is a serious issue unfortunately and i think that may be where we're at here and i i'm I'm absolutely not writing the guy off because i mean how can you he was was such quality out there but you know in the same way that that we'll never have an Olivier Giroud as our backup striker because because MLS Mm -hmm. you know i i and and the team that the first team that that you know goes all in on three defensive designated players may upset the apple cart but right now in 2021 a dp in this league has to be generating goals i mean correct me if i'm wrong that's one of the that's one of the reasons that they trucked out for why Piatti didn't get an extension Mm -hmm. um you got to be generating goals and uh and we ain't there yet um now sorry sorry go ahead i'm sure you had something better than than what i was going to (laughs) say
0: i don't know about that but yeah i'd I'd say again we're not there yet but i do think it could potentially be coming, but okay. with that being said, on the goal um, angle, we all know Tronovs you have major scoring issues. That's been an issue all season, and those certainly aren't going to be helped by the news today that Iowa Canola is likely going to miss the rest of the regular season with an ACL injury he suffered during his first ever start with Canada um, playing against the United States um obviously that's a massive blow for the player you know and and it's gonna be a big blow for Toronto FC as well that's their joint leading scorer yep big blow for Canada we can talk about that a bit later but from a Toronto FC perspective like yeah yeah not good
2: I mean I my heart goes out for the kid he just came back from a long-term injury he's just rounding into form he just uh, declared for Canada how he's played 36 minutes for the Canadian men's national team.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: It is, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's bad. You know, it's bad timing. It's bad luck. Um, My best wishes to the speediest of recoveries. Uh, You know, it, it, it just sucks all around. Um, Yvonne asked, is there a rule if a player is ruled out of season due to injury, a roster spot opens up? There is. Um, It would require TFC to make the commitment. Uh, basically, uh, you know, regardless of what his prognosis is for recovery, they're saying he's not coming back because I don't think you can recall him if you if you claim that that season-ending or long-term injury list spot. I'm not sure if you can. So it would be a, a chess move on TFC's part. They would they would be uh, you know basically saying in no uncertain terms that that Ios not coming back. Mm-hmm. If his prognosis is bad enough, it's it's kind of a no-brainer decision. Um, so yeah, they could activate Erickson Gallardo, who's been just about as unlucky as, as Io has, and and uh see what that is. But uh, you know, Nick Nick made a comment ahead of, of Yvonne's, which is Dom Dwyer cannot finish. And mm-hmm. I, I think we need to discuss uh Dwyer before Jasmer came on. Uh I don't know who tweeted it out but uh, I think the best one I saw was he looks like someone coming back from a serious knee injury. Um, He's, he's late to arrive at balls. Um, I will say this to his credit, the bad body language that I expected when he wasn't getting service, you know, the arms aloft, just, just being generally uh, uh, uncomfortable to look at and and to be around hasn't manifest. Um, You know, Look at the way he he was. Look at look at his body language when he was subbed off for Josie. Like he wasn't surprised, but he certainly wasn't pissed, and he and he applauded him onto the field. So, mm-hmm. you know, at, at the very least, your not informed striker isn't being a jerk, which is which is good uh, because you know he does have precedent for being a jerk sometimes. Um, <laughs> what do you what do you think, Mitch? Do you think I I know you love him. I I know you I know you uh, you're high on Dom Dwyer. Do you think it's going to click? I mean, now's the time, right?
0: Yeah, certainly now's the time. I mean, it's it's a big opportunity. Io going out for one of Patrick Mullins, Dom Dwyer, or even Jordan Perutz who got recalled to to show up and and you know I, again the 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 service is getting significantly better. That that ball from Justin Morrow on on the weekend is a perfect example. Everything Pozuelo can do. Um, so Teldo, like all. It's it's getting. It's not just the fact that these strikers are isolated anymore. They're going to get opportunities to score. One of them has to start scoring if the season's going to turn around. And and honestly, I'm not sure which one that is because none it's of Patrick the of have, it's, yeah. it's Patrick
2: Mullen. Is it also, none of the
0: three of them have looked particularly goal dangerous this season? So uh, I so guess. what's
2: what's what's put on your coach boots? All right. Do you think it's because they're not getting minutes, like consistent minutes? And they're all sort of flow strikers and they need to be out there even when they're not performing just to just to get just to get into the groove?
0: No, because at this point I don't think any of the three of them are starting strikers in MLS, and that's why you had Ayo Akinola and Josie Altador there to be your starting strikers. So I think obviously best case you gotta hope Josie can can stay healthy here and, and keep in form and there's your guy but none of the three of those guys are are starting. So
2: to much Mullin slander point. in the chat. I <laughs> I'm going to explode. There's so much Mullin slander. Um, so, okay, keep your coach boots on. Do you give Perusa a shot? Because he's um, coming in fresh face, unspoiled, um, hmm. you know, goal machine for TFC2, right. right? I mean, I, as I much as it pains me to say it, do you? Do, does he jump right up the depth chart? Right.
0: I don't see why not. Like, I'm a, I'm always of the mentality that, you know, you, you take an opportunity on a young guy because you know what you have in Dom Dwyer and, and Patrick Mullins. You don't necessarily 100% know what you have in Jordan Peruzza. So, sure, there's a chance he'll let you down, but there's also a chance that he gets a run of confidence and all of a sudden he's way better than either of those two guys. So, I, I think we see Jordan Peruzza at some point over the next little bit. And obviously we've seen glimpses of with Toronto C2 and in the USL championship of how good of a player Jordan Peruza can be. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't see why not giving him a, an opportunity here.
2: Absolutely. I, I agree with you. Um, People are asking about Garrett McLaughlin. Do we don't have an, any roster spots left? No, <laughs> so, we don't,
0: but, <laughs> but I will say he's definitely impressing with Toronto FC C2. I do. Score a hat that, trick. Score a hat. He's team yeah. of the
2: week. I mean, come on. Yeah, I do yeah, think yeah. that
0: Houston Dynamo made a mistake giving up on him so early, and I think that there is a chance at some point he ends up with Toronto FC, but I don't think it's going to happen this year, certainly. And we've <laughs> got Mikey Singh back. How are you doing, Mikey? What's going
1: on, gentlemen? What are you guys been talking about?
2: Nothing. We've been waiting for you to come back and tell us about this press conference. So go. yeah, we
1: just kind of sat here. Nothing. Didn't yeah, say anything. Yeah. nothing to talk
0: about
2: at all. Eh? No, no. I'm sorry. Yeah, we had a staring <laughs> contest with Claire for about fifteen minutes. Best interview
1: ever. <laughs> oh man, I'm so disappointed. I missed the end of that. I will have to go back and watch. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about you know the press conference. I got to speak to Dom Dwyer. Um, oh, nice. And that was the first time Wait, we actually fine. spoke. Yeah, it was the first time I actually spoke to him since he, he signed in Toronto and just off the bat, like the reason why he signed here, um, the team was training in Orlando and he was obviously coming off like a serious knee injury and surgery. So and with the team, he, he really believed in the team. He liked the environment that there was here. So he really thought that and his quote exactly is that it was like meant to be the fact that he should be joining this this T F C team with, with the roster and you know the the potential i guess um what he had there like mm-hmm. an opportunity is the word i'm looking for of course and I, I think he he sounds like he's really happy to be here um he, he i don't know if you guys have talked about jefferson as yet but he called jefferson oh, Soteldo. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. i like it he called jefferson's yeah. hotel magic um and you know just seeing what he's doing in training like essentially it's like magical is was, was, what he was saying in special. And um, obviously he, he talked about the Iowa canola injury, which is a devastating thing that nobody wants to,
2: yeah.
1: nobody wants to see. Um, and he, he spoke about the fact that he's had, you know, knee injuries in the past and he knows that you can come back stronger and, and the team all, all took that to heart. They received the news this morning and they, they mentioned that they're going to play for, for Iowa canola tomorrow. So, yeah, my first impression, I guess, of Dom Dwyer, you know, I, I, he has had incidents with the media in the past and his his past gigs, but, mm-hmm. you know, that, that press conference was was professional and he was well-spoken and I, I got to commend him for all of that. So, he said all the right things. So, shout out there, Dom Dwyer. Um, also, probably important for me to hit is one of the questions I asked him is whether or not he feels he's up to speed yet after that knee injury. and. You know, he he mentioned 55, 65 minutes, whatever it was he played last time out. That was mm-hmm. the most he's gotten so far this season. So okay. it's just a matter of getting minutes under his belt. You can't really replicate game time. So essentially, that's that's where his head is at. And I think it comes with winning as well as what he said. So, you know, he's he's not there yet, but he's getting there. Essentially, Would you start him on Wednesday, Mike? Um, if Josie's available, I start Josie. But other than Josie, yeah, he's he's my number two option there up top. Um, that's
2: Mullinslander that's sounding an awful <laughs> lot like
1: Mullinslander but anyway go ahead I'm sorry yeah. man this is a former yeah. designated player we know what Dom Dwyer is capable of doing and what about Peruza? I mean
2: we were just saying what what about Peruza?
1: so was, uh, that's another thing I was going to get to is is Javier Perez was asked about Jordan Peruza. great segue there Jeff by the way <laughs> um, I do. he was I'm asked as about as Jordan Peruza, and you know like we've heard about Jordan He's got this tenacity about him, this edginess about him, and um, Javier Perez noted that. And he also said that he believes Jordan will get an opportunity here with the first team, which is actually sort of a change in events. I mean, maybe the Iowa Canola thing has something to do with it. But Chris Armas told us that when Jordan Peruse was initially loaned out, the plan was it for it to be like an eight, nine-game loan stint, have him called back, and then rejoin Toronto FC too. But with everything that's gone on, I think things have changed, and the plan for Jordan now is for him to be in the cards. Um, I would slot him somewhere alongside Mullins in that depth chart. I think Mullins is just—he has that veteran presence. You know what you're getting at, Patrick Mullins. Whereas Jordan, it's it's untapped potential, and we really don't know uh, the floor there that we, we'd be getting with there with Jordan. <laughs> even though Excuse I'm all for playing the young guns, I'm all for playing the kids. So you know, when it, when the time is appropriate, absolutely, I expect him to get his runouts. But you know, with with Dom Dwyer, Patrick Mullins ahead of him in the depth chart, obviously Josie Altidore. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see how just how much playing time uh, he does get here moving forward. Um, yeah, I think that that pretty much sums up the, the gist of the press conference. I did ask him about um, his fullback situation because right now the only natural fullbacks on the roster with Kamar Lawrence uh, and Richie Laurea both away for international duty is Aro and Justin Morrow. And, mm-hmm. you know, Justin Morrow has yet to go the full 90 minutes um, in back-to-back games so far this season. So, you know, there is a question where he's been dealing with a lot of lingering injuries, too. And with this game, you know, a Saturday to Wednesday game, there is question marks there as to whether or not he'll be able to go the full 90. And aside from Justin Morrow, you know, who, who do you have there to kind of throw at fullback? So I asked him about that, and he said essentially was that that they're playing a win right now like they, they need to pick up the three points so reading between mm-hmm. the lines there he's essentially saying they're going to roll back out moro and Ro. um and if you know one of them comes down with an injury and they need to make a change what he said is you'll see us solidify that position so mm-hmm. you know read between the lines maybe that's a center back um gonna be played at, at that position but uh, it's interesting to see. Cause right now what he's looking for is stability and structure within the team. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe someone like a Chris Mavinga and Luke Singh sliding to the center back, something mm-hmm. like that, you know, he'll have to get creative there. But what he, he also will, yeah. said, what he also said is when you get creative, it's also a gamble. And from my impressions about Perez right now, he's not a coach that likes to take gambles. No, so, he doesn't. Yeah. Um, so we'll see, you know, read between the lines there and, and we'll see.
2: <laughs> Vanderbilt. <laughs> <laughs> <No, laughs> then it I would don't. be the first time he played fullback for us, right? Like when yeah. he was on the team, he was only playing center back. That would be hilarious. Uh, I'm sure he still got his uh, his key to the weight room at BMO Field Training Ground and his one training top. So you know, there you go. Um, I wanna
1: I wanna ask this to you, gentlemen. So Jefferson Soteldo, Jeff, to you specifically, Jefferson Soteldo. Yep. Talk to me. Do what? you think he has the potential? To be the best or think, one of the best players in Major League Soccer,
2: I think I'm gonna. It's funny that you missed our whole our whole diatribe about this, but I think I'm gonna quote Mitch's rundown. Jefferson Soteldo wears short shorts and is pretty good at the sports, which I think is which is absolutely hilarious. Um, I, okay, I cannot discount how he made me squeal with delight on some of his close control plays on the, oh, at the weekend. My question is this. Um, if he doesn't start scoring goals, um, does that, I mean, DPs and MLS, especially attacking DPs and MLS come with an expectation to score goals. Uh, are we happy with a technical player that creates chances, does all the little things, has excellent close control, pulls, you know, pulls two or three defenders out of position. So the rest of the guys can score, but doesn't score themselves. Are we okay Those are with that? Like
0: good things? <laughs> yeah. No, they are yeah, good things, but in the dead, calculus
2: right? of what a DP is, right? In the calculus I mean, of what a DP is, it's a much more stringent stringent requirement, right? I'm not talking about how amazing it is. I'm talking about on paper, this is what a DP is, this is what Yef uh, is. That, that's your, a your fair quote, question,
3: Jeff. Yeah, because yeah your quote is something... he may
2: be too good for this league. And 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 that's and I'm t- I'm extending that to its logical conclusion, right? This league can't pay for a luxury player like that under a DP tag. Do you know what I mean?
1: So that that's a good question, you know, Jeff. Like, fair because that's something Bill Manning and Ali Curtis kind of talked about before the season. Is they they want someone who can be capable of scoring goals at a high clip, um, but you know, encompassing all of that is creating those chances. You know, the the game is it's so much bigger than just scoring goals, right? And I think Jefferson Soteldo encompasses that quite a bit because of all the things that you talked about, you know, his ability to take people on one V one, one V two, one V three, one V four at times. You saw the play where he, he won the ball in his ridiculous. own half off a player. Absolutely ridiculous. Beat like three, four Orlando city players showed off just how fast their, of a player. He is.
2: He took their <laughs> souls. He didn't beat them. He collected their souls, but that's, and fun. then
1: laid laid the ball off to, to Dom Dwyer for, you know, what should have been a goal. Mm-hmm. And it's not showing up on the score sheet. Are you still not happy with that kind of performance? You know, it's it, at the end of the day, like this is a team sport. It comes down to things that are bigger than Jefferson Soteldo. Um mm-hmm. Josie Altador is the one who's gonna be paid to strictly score goals. So if Jefferson Soteldo comes in and gives me a performance like he did on on Saturday night, he's the type of player that gets BMO fans in in the stadium. He's the type of player that gets jerseys sold he's the type of player that gets people as bill manning said when they signed him gets people on the edge of their seat every time Mm -hmm. he touches the ball and for me like yes absolutely a hundred times out of a hundred times this guy is just turned 24 years old he has a bright future ahead of him i know um like when he was subbed off he was a little little pissed there um you know And Mm -hmm. again like are there are there attitude issues there? Does he think he's too good for MLS, perhaps? But at the end of the day, like so did Sebastian Javenko. You saw yep. the way Sebastian yep. Javenko would yell at his teammates every time he lost or they lost the ball. Or do they even know, put stanchions
2: on the on the sidelines anymore? <laughs> because Sebastian used to kick them all the time, and they were just like forget about <laughs> the stanchion. Um, it's funny because i I am getting I am getting schooled in the comments, and and the comments are right. Mb4 was a non goal scoring. Uh, designated player, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we we spent we spent big money on a on a six, uh, and and rode rode a, a DP level number six all the way to the championship. So, so yeah, I'm, uh, you know, it's just it's the language, outgoing with Piotti that I think I'm stuck on, right? Like, you know, we want an upgrade on Piotti. Uh, he needs to be goal dangerous. They got to contribute about, you know, t- maybe maybe ten goals a season. You know, not Josmer numbers, but. But certainly enough to to add to the attack. But you're right, you're right. At the end of the day, what what he's doing is 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 I just love unbelievable. I love
1: Piatti, but so Telos twice the player that Piatti was for Toronto FC.
2: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, Armando Cooper though. Yeah, maybe <laughs> no Armando. Cooper. All, right.
0: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all right, let's get, let's get off of this before we go too far. Um yeah, 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 I guess we have a couple more things to, to touch we sure on do. before we, we wrap up the show this week. One of them being the, the Canadian championship format being announced for uh this next upcoming season. Obviously, we still haven't played the 2020 Canadian Championship final between Toronto FC and Forge FC, so we'll see when that gets uh four July twenty twenty-two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um at, at any rate, though, a new format includes 13 teams, starting with a 10-team pl- preliminary round, Toronto FC, Forge FC, NCF Montreal, all given buys to the quarterfinal round of the competition based on past performance. From a Toronto FC perspective, they'll open the tournament against either York United FC or Masters Football Academy. That's mid to late September. It's now a single knockout competition and a wrap-up in late October with the final. I mean... I'm pretty excited about this. It seems like a more open competition. I think finally we're seeing uh, MLS teams and and, M- and Canadian Premier League teams treated pretty equally in this tournament, which I think is is exactly the way it should be, based on the fact that they're both technically top divisions within Canada. So I- I'm pretty excited. I think it's going to be fun. And the single knockout is just going to create chaos. So I w- wouldn't be shocked if we see a couple of big upsets here. And they got Can that. We... Go ahead, Jeff.
2: Well, do we know the the format like is it is it extra time and then penalties or straight to penalties? Do we know that?
1: I'm assuming just extra time then then the penalties like I'd be okay. surprised if it's if it's the other way around, but you never know. Um you never know. I'm I'm really excited because they, I mean, obviously they wanted this, but the fact that there'll be either a TFC in a Masters or TFC in York United that mm-hmm. local you know, York region, Toronto, whatever you want to southern Ontario, whatever you want to call it, kind of derby there. Um yeah. that, that's really exciting. You know, we got a couple other ones on there as well, uh, which should make sort of some entertaining rivalries. And I think that that's what's really important here is because obviously rivalries sell. And that's mm-hmm. how you kind of best way to sort of market the league and market the Canadian championship. What I'd like to see moving forward is the league or, or this competition expand even more. I want to see more Canadian teams involved than just the the sixteen or twenty yeah. that are that are here. um mm-hmm. I think you know Canada in general has a lot of a lot of local clubs, a lot of talent um not saying that they'd go on and win the competition, but just giving them that, that, that exposure just helps grow the game a little bit more um this 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 year would have been tough to do that, so just in the future, I think that's something to keep an eye out on and you know the, how the states does theirs with the u s open Cup. Uh, massive tournament I think there's like 90 something teams in theirs so I think Canada can slowly start to get to uh to a greater greater pool here yeah I think
0: that's a good yeah. point we've seen we've seen the level of quality that you know something like a league one Ontario has in terms of the the players that have come out of it I mean heck daniel jebison it um, yep. <laughs> was was playing in league one Ontario for a bunch of years so um, there's certainly plenty of good players playing throughout Canada. And yeah, I think this is another opportunity again for, for some of these guys to, to really go up against MLS teams and, and show their, their abilities. And, you know, some of the best stories from, from the Canadian championships in the past couple of years have been guys playing against their former teams, you know, scoring yep. big goals. So think like, we, we might see a bit more of that. in, in the next little bit.
2: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Every year is a new format, right? Like it hasn't been the same format for two years straight for as long as I can remember. So yeah, you know, it's all it's all up in the air, right? Every every year the Can Champ has a different different vibe to it. Um I I'm holding out for a double double final, right? They'll play the 20, the 2020 and the 2021 final in the same <laughs> venue at the same time. It'll be like a BOGO sale. And uh <laughs> it'll be fantastic. And they'll only sell smearing off ice. They, they won't have any no. beer. It will just be smearing off ice. And it will be fabulous and, and totally humid. Indeed. I
0: will say, though, like they've, like you said, they've revamped this competition like 10 times. It, somehow, every time, there's just one or two, like, amazing moments that come out of every Voyager's Cup. Like, this is a competition that, you know, it used to be, like, three teams. And it's always outkicked. It's, like... coverage in terms of how good the soccer is, how good the moments are. I mean, we talk about the Will Johnson leg break miracle in Montreal, like all kinds of just incredibly, you know, that Raheem uh, Edwards cross to Sebastian Javinko. Yeah. 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 There's there's some special moments that have come out of this competition and, I guess Montreal winning at, at BMO Field. I know most people don't want to do want to talk about that. <laughs> when, one as much, when did but... that happen? I don't know what you're talking about. But...
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the
0: defending uh, the, the defending Canadian champions, technically. Whatever. Whatever you... <laughs> All right, we are going pretty overtime here, though. So let's mm-hmm. let's just touch very quickly on Canada. They're going to the knockout stages. They're going to play either Costa Rica or Jamaica, depending upon tonight's game, but. I think probably the biggest story for the next little bit is that Iowa Akinola, obviously, and Kyle Laren are both out for the rest of the tournament. Who are we bringing in, guys? And and how big of a blow is that to Canada? we still got Cavallini in there and Junior Hoylet. And, I mean, it's, it's
2: going to be tough. The there. Oh, my yeah.
1: God. Please free the kid. Please. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Free Theo. Um, I mean... Can we convince uh, Anthony Jackson Hamel to come out of retirement, lace the boots back up and save the day? Cause, cause that'd be pretty fantastic. Uh, uh, I think like- Wayne Rollins subbed, uh, said uh, Tosaint, which, which isn't the most terrible of shouts. Um, I can see Mitch, Mitch frowning. He's like, no, that's a terrible idea. I don't want, I, mean, I don't want to. Totally has been him. injured
0: all season. So that'd be a pretty tough to, to get him in. You're looking. Oh yeah. Stretch, you know, pretty, uh,
1: Sorry
2: about that. That's a terrible I like- idea.
1: Um, I like mm-hmm. Charlie's shout in our "Awake in the Red" chat where he mentioned bring in Zachary Brogiard, uh, you know, shore up that that defensive line, the full the wing back positions, and push Tejon Buchanan up higher up the field. Mm-hmm. Um, give him an opportunity to you know be dangerous there in the attack. In third, he showed that he's a versatile player. Um, we know how dangerous he can be when he gets forward, and I'd like to see him you know in a position like that because he also played striker for the Olympic team during the Olympic hmm. qualifying there. Um, and he's shown that he can play up top. So why not give this guy a run out? Because there's going to be some competition there. Um, you know, if, if Broguier comes in, Lare is there. Uh, so, you know, there are other options there at the fullback position. So maybe that's, that's the best option there. Tesho. Well,
2: yeah.
0: I, I don't think Tesho is a decent show too, is, I mean, you know he's he's consistently solid. Like you know what you're getting with Tesho. He's he's uh, obviously done some bad things to Toronto FC in recent <laughs> weeks. So mm-hmm. uh, I think he's a I think he's a great player. And and you know that's that's the obvious one I'd say. But I, I do agree that that's a that's a good shout. I mean the only thing is it's going to majorly confuse all the European scouts that are watching Tejan because they're like, <laughs> okay, we had this guy we were bringing in as a wing back, mm-hmm. but he's also a winger. Now he's a striker. Like, where where do we <laughs> slot him into our team here? But no, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think obviously um, that's going to be a big question for Canada going to the next round, and and we'll see. Like we said, two thousand seven, the last time Canada won mm-hmm. a won a knockout stage game. So yeah, it's it's going to be a big one on Sunday. Obviously, it, it need to need to start winning these games, and and obviously doing so by the time September comes. Mm-hmm. Junior Hoyle, who do you want? Uh, jamaica or costa rica uh I doesn't mean, matter really, ideally costa rica i think canada yeah. matches up better with them i think jamaica's got more dangerous attacking players they're they've got that counter-attacking style that i think canada doesn't do very well with um mm-hmm. and we've seen jamaica really cause canada problems in, in past tournaments as well so i think you'd rather costa rica but i I, I think Canada matches up pretty solidly with either of these sides, especially with the uh, stacchio back.
1: Selfishly, oh, yeah. selfishly, I'd like to see Jamaica and Canada because I want to see Kamar Lawrence in action. Um, <laughs> against go, yeah. Some of the, some of his Canadian rivals there, so that would be pretty mm-hmm. cool to see. Um, but I'm, I'm with Mitch there. I think Costa Rica is probably the better matchup for Canada. I think Jamaica is actually really underrated on paper. Um, yeah. They've brought in quite a few names that are you know, notable overseas and like Canada, they've, they've made some big, uh, big ads to their roster from, from, you know, obviously people not being able to break in with other countries. So um, Jamaica is a team that could be a dark horse in this tournament. So I try and avoid them as, as best as I can.
0: I want to say yeah. the last time Canada played Jamaica, the gold cup, uh Kamar Lawrence actually scored a free kick against Canada. So I remember uh, hopefully, that too. Uh, yeah. Hopefully yeah. That doesn't repeat itself. Your boy Junior Hoylett also scored a banger. So that was a that was a pretty good game for him as well. But yeah, hopefully history doesn't repeat itself in in, in that regard as much as we'd like to see Kamar Lawrence put in some some good performances. But I striker
2: think... Sam Piet. Think it think <laughs> it over. Sleep uh, on it. Striker Sammy uh... P. <laughs> I mean Sampiet
0: did have a great game against the United States, we'll say that. But yes, um, yes. yeah, I don't think we're gonna see um, based on maybe stature alone. I have a feeling I have <laughs> a feeling
1: they'll be leaning heavily into both Lucas Cavallini and Junior Hoylet here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't I don't yeah. know if even if someone like Atasho gets brought into the side, just how much minutes they'll get moving forward. I think this hmm. is a tournament Canada wants to win and, and those two are their best options up top. So another thing is I wonder if they'll they'll tweak their formation a bit. You know, come away with from the the two Strikers, perhaps go with Osorio as as a false nine, almost behind uh, behind one of Junior Hoylett or Lucas Cavallini. Uh, just something to keep an eye on.
2: That's a good mm-hmm. shout. Yeah, well, yeah, we've, seen we Hoylet and, yeah so. we've seen Junior
1: Hoylett. Yeah, we've seen Junior Hoylett and
0: Cavallini play together for for Canada before against the United States, and that that went pretty well. Um, <laughs>
3: in, in
0: terms of them coming on late and, and scoring that late goal, so true enough. Um, yeah, definitely well. a bunch of of permutations to watch for going into uh, going into that, that knockout round for Canada. We've got the Olympics coming up Toronto FC play at home again tomorrow against the New York Red Bulls. So many exciting things to, to get to over, over the next week. So um, yeah, definitely, definitely excited for to watch all of that at another busy week of soccer, but we'll, we'll wrap up the show there. Huge. Thank you to Claire Rustad for joining us and, and you know, getting us set for the Olympics. Um, some great insight there. Thanks to Kevin, Sophia and Edwin from Homestand Sports for making the show possible. And as always, thanks to all of you for listening, chirping Jeff, watching, interacting <laughs> <laughs> um, on behalf of Jeffrey P. here, Michael Singh. till next Tuesday, let's go Canada. Cheers. <laughs>